Hey. I'll try that again. Hey. There we go. It's good to see y'all. We're going to be back in the book of Genesis today. We're going to be back looking at uh, Jacob and what's going on in his life where we left off uh, last week. He has uh, encountered God at Bethel, has worshiped because he is on his way to find a wife. And uh, this next uh, couple of chapters, we've got a long passage today. We've got two chapters and we're going to cover all of both chapters um, this morning. And see, it's, uh, I've got a clock up here. It says it's 1129, so uh, 1130 now. So um, we're wanting to have a good crowd for Messy Church tonight. So we're going to go all the way till five o'clock with uh, Messy Church getting started uh, right here. And since our musicians don't have to get in here to rehearse, um, come back tonight. Uh, uh, here's the deal with Messy Church tonight. Messy church, we talk about it and everybody thinks, well, it's just a kid's thing. It's not just a kid's thing. It's an everybody thing. We, we, we love having our adults to interact with our kids. Yeah, the kids take center stage and they kind of have, have the, the focus there. But tonight's going to be pretty cool because as many of you know, one of our deacons, uh, Donnie Thomas, has been helping out down at Rama Church with uh, their uh, music and he's been working with some of the kids and he's bringing a group of their uh, uh, middle school and high, middle school and high school, right Rita? Middle school and high schoolers to, to lead worship tonight. So man, it's everything from like violin to um, um, everything. So come and see what Donnie's been doing as you worship God and, and partner in with what we've got going on with Messy Church tonight. So um, we're going to be here just to make sure that you're here for Messy Church. We're going to be here till five. So let's keep going. Uh, the book of Genesis uh, chapter 29. We're looking at the book at what J- God's doing in the life of Jacob. Now remember Jacob is one of the two sons of, of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. Uh, Abraham traces us all the way back to Adam, and what we have here is this beautiful promise of God that he's going to redeem the world. And, and we're taking step by step, looking at as God brings this covenant, this promise into focus. Now, Jacob's on his way to find a wife. He's trying to find a wife because in order to have kids and fulfill the promise of God, you've got to have a, a wife to do that. But Jacob's gotten himself in a little trouble. He's made his brother mad. His brother wants to kill him. His mama doesn't want him to be killed. So his mama has him uh, go being sent by his father Isaac out to find a wife from the people of Haran. He, so they're being, he's being sent to the house of Laban. Laban is his uncle, his mother's brother. And so last week where we left off, God appears to him and says, you are the one that is carrying this promise. I am going to bring you back. This is going to be how I keep my hand on you. And believe it or not, Jacob, I'm not going to leave you alone until I am done with the promise I have established with you. And so we're going to pick it up today looking at what happens, kind of the next steps, because we left off last week with Jacob uh, worshiping God at Bethel. So if you've got your place in Genesis chapter 29, I do want to invite you to stand with me today, if you're able. um, As we look at the first uh, 20 verses, we're going to read those together in chapter 29, and then we're going to kind of walk through the rest of them together as we go this morning. So if you're ready, here we go, Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 1. Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it, for from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was very large. 
When all the flocks were gathered there, they would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, then put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, my brothers, where are you from? They said to him, we are from Haran. Jacob said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. Jacob asked them, is it well with him? And they responded saying, it is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter coming with the sheep. Jacob said, behold, it is still high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And so she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him, embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related all the things to Laban. And Laban said to him, surely you are the bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he stayed with Laban a month. But Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me now, what would your wages be? Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and face. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but just a few days because of his love for her. Let's pray together. Father, your hand is the guiding and providing hand that we need. Lord, you've you've provided for all of us and you have guided our steps. But Father, a lot of times we don't look directly to your hand. We look to circumstance. So Father, I pray today as we look at Jacob and what you're doing and fulfilling your covenant, that you help us to see how your hand is always at work in our life. Lord, I pray that we would be able to magnify the great name of our God. But ultimately, Lord, that we would surrender before the throne of Christ today to serve you, to honor you, to love you with all that we have. Father, give us ears to hear your word this morning as we look at the scripture, as we look at the Bible, as we look at truth. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. All right, so here we go. We got Jacob. He's on his way to find his wife, man. And I love this setup, man, because there's so much in this chapter that sounds a whole lot like when Abraham sent his servant to the same land to find a wife for his son, Isaac. Now, now there are a couple of notable differences, but ultimately they come to this well and they're trying to get sheep, uh, some water, and here's Jacob there. And man, let me just be real with you. Jacob's got game, all right? 
He's got game. He's standing there and he's like, all right, how, he's asking, he's asking the right questions. How's Laban? Is everything good with Laban? And they said, all right, well, here's Laban's daughter, Rachel. She's coming right over here with the sheep. And so Rachel gets there. And notice with me what Jacob's first move is before Rachel gets there. Well, why don't y'all just go ahead and water your sheep and get on out of here? Right? If that's Laban's daughter, and I'm here to meet Laban's daughter because Laban's daughter is going to be my wife, why don't you just get your sheep and go on out? Right? Why? Because Jacob is seeking to meet Rachel here. And ultimately, he meets Rachel in Haran, in the land of his, his, his ancestry, the place where his mother had come from when she was brought to be the wife of his father, Isaac. They said, well, we can't. See, it's too much work to move this big rock off the mouth of the well. And so we don't just move it and 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 move it. We wait till everybody gets here and then we water everybody, all the sheep at the same time. And then we replace the rock. So here she is. She's coming. He sees her. She's beautiful. And he says, all right. It's time to impress her. Men, you know, the, you know the routine, right? You hear about the young lady, you see the young lady, and you're like, all right, I'm going to impress the young lady, right? No? And the women, what'd you settle for? He didn't seek to impress you on that first meeting? I went to a children's camp as a chaperone when I was in college with the church that I was helping out with. Um, I was playing bass for them off and on on Sunday. They needed an extra male chaperone. And the children's minister there, she was, uh, she was a school teacher, but she also did uh, children, kind of like Miss Charlie, but she did children's ministry there at the church. And so she was just talking to a couple of the other chaperones about how she met her husband on a blind date. And so they were sitting there at the blind date. And so she just kind of, they went to the movie and she just kind of put her hand around you know, around his arm, whatever, during the movie. And she said that later he told her that he had a cramp in his arm for about three days because for the entire movie, he sat there with his muscle flexed because <laughs> her hand was right there. Man, that's what we do, right? We see the girl, we try to impress the girl. And Jacob says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. When she gets here, I'm moving the rock by myself. Woo! Jacob must have been a pretty strong dude, right? He moves the rock. And then in a step of boldness, he kisses the girl. Woo! Boy's got game, doesn't he? And he goes to the house of Laban and tells Laban everything. And Laban says, hey, I'll tell you what. Why don't you work for me for a while? Just tell me what I can do to, to pay you. And Jacob says here, um, uh, it says there, that Laban had two daughters. The older was Leah and the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. Maybe your translation says it this way. She wasn't that pretty. But Leah, or but Rachel was beautiful of form and face and Jacob loved her. Hmm. I know it's not the most uh, kosher thing to say, 
But Jacob had a choice. And he looks one way and he's like, oh. He looks the other way and he's like, whoo. Huh? I'll serve you seven years if I can marry your daughter. And Laban says to him, it is better that I give her to you than to anyone else. Deal. Some of you men have daughters that you wouldn't take seven years to get rid of. You're like, hey, if you just take her and all of her drama and all of her bills, everything, just go. You can have her. No, seven years. Jacob meets Rachel in Haran and he works seven years. But the story doesn't end there. It says there at verse 21, but Jacob said to Laban at the end of the seven years, give me my wife for my time is completed. You know when payday is, right? It used to be that you'd get a a piece of paper on payday that was worth something. Now you probably get a piece of paper that tells you that a bank transaction's already been made, but that piece of paper is not worth anything but just proven, right? Because you got direct deposit. Some of you might get paid cash. Some of you, when payday comes around, you want to get paid, right? Jacob's worked seven years for this woman. Seven years to get this wife. Man, that right there ought to tell you something about, about purity and what it takes to wait. We'll take that sermon a different day. Women, that ought to tell you something about the kind of man, single ladies, the kind of man you should be looking for is one that is willing to wait however long it takes to make it right. We'll take that sermon another day. Seven years. But for Jacob, it says that it only appeared to be a couple of days because he loved her so much. But it's payday. The calendar had flipped and it's time. He says, give me my wife. I've I've worked. The time is complete. It is time. And so Laban says, okay. Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast in the evening. Uh Uh-oh, look at this. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. Wait a second. The agreement was for Rachel. You remember? Ugh. Hey. Ah, you remember? He had a choice to make. He said, I want the younger daughter, the beautiful one. Laban deceives Jacob. And I want you to notice what happens with deception. This deception is the exact same thing that Jacob had done, is the exact same thing that the serpent had done. Deception always starts with making it look real. Making it look legit. Making it look like it's going to be right. So Laban is sitting there, yeah, you have worked those seven years. I tell you what, let's get the feast together. Let's get everybody in place because we're going to have a big wedding ceremony. Oh, there's going to be a wedding. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But then when it came go time, he gave the other daughter. He got Jacob drunk, sent him into the tent. And Jacob comments, consummated the marriage with Leah. The deceiver 
who had made everything look right around his father Isaac, but he was the one behind the cloak, behind the stew, behind the fur, has now been deceived by his father-in-law. The serpent who said, the fruit is good to eat. It looks just like the other fruit and says, here, everything looks right, has now come back to bite. The deceiver's been deceived. And he's not too happy about it, is it? You ever cheated somebody and then got cheated yourself and you're angry about it? You ever have somebody let you into the flow of traffic and then get mad when somebody cuts you off? Yeah? Kind of the same thing, right? They're just taking a spot in front of you like you took a spot in in somebody else, right? That never happens around Atlanta. I know Everybody in Atlanta is just perfectly at peace as they drive everywhere, period. I see it. The deceiver has fallen to deception. And it says that in the evening, he took his daughter Leah, brought her to him. Jacob went to her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. And it came in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what have you done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? The deceiver's been deceived. See, Laban had every right, every right to make sure that his older daughter was married first. I mean, if that's the practice, notice what he says. Hey, look, um, it's not the practice in our place, verse 26, to marry off the younger before the the firstborn. Maybe that's the case. Laban had every right to make sure that Leah was the first one to marry, but he wasn't up front with Jacob now, was he? When Jacob said, hey, I will work seven years for Rachel, Laban should have stepped up and said, you know what, Jacob, we actually don't marry the younger daughter before the older daughter, but if you'll do the seven years, you can marry Leah and then marry Rachel. Now, I don't know how much of a ugh Leah was. That might have been enough to say, you know what, I'll pass on this deal. I don't know. My father-in-law is here this morning. And I want you all to know that I, I love my father-in-law. I married the youngest of his daughters. And truth be told, she was the third one to get married. But he didn't try to slip a Mickey on me there. Now, now Christy's sisters are nice. They're lovely ladies and, and we've got a good friendship. But I didn't call him to ask to marry one of the others. I called to ask to marry Christy. I didn't drive him around Spartanburg for 45 minutes trying to get up the courage to say, can I marry your daughter for it to be the wrong one? Oh, Shep, I'm glad you're here this morning. So I can publicly tell you that I'm glad that on December the 16th, 2007, I didn't wake up in Charlotte with the wrong girl. (laughs) Thank you. Publicly, thank you. He got deceived. 
And Laban says to him, finish out this week. See, in Hebrew day, the marriage wasn't just one day thing, but it was a party. It went on for a week. And there was the week of the ritual of the marriage. And he says, complete this week for Leah, and then you can have Rachel. Because you're already hitched to Leah no matter what. So you go through with the deal. And I, man, here's the deal. If I'm Jacob, I'm saying, no, 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 no. I'm not completing any week. You give me her now. This one can stick around. That's fine. But you give me her now. The deal is I don't trust you to give me Rachel at the end of a week because you didn't give her to me at the end of the year, seven years. But it says that Jacob, Jacob did. He completed her week and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. And Laban also gave Bilhah to his daughter as a maid. Jacob went into Rachel and he did. He loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served him another seven years. Now, men, don't get the wrong idea from this passage of Scripture. Don't go to your wife and say, you know what, all these years I've served to get you and this is what I get. That's not what it's about. It's about the love and the devotion and the fulfillment of the promise of God. It says there in verse 31, that Lord saw that Leah was unloved. He saw that she was the second rate wife to Jacob. That she was not the one that he, that he was fond of. Not the one that he was loving to serve. He was, she was not the one that Jacob's heart just went kaboom over. And so he gave her a son. It says there he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son, named him Reuben. She said, because the Lord has seen my affliction. Out of the deception comes the first of the sons of Jacob, the oldest, Reuben. But what ensues over the next several verses is a system and a pattern of two women with one husband Building some rivalry, imagine that, but God providing children, providing sons for Jacob through Leah and Rachel. God gives Jacob children through these two women. It starts there with Leah being the first to consume. She says, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also and named him Simeon. This is a second son. It says there that um, she has uh, conceived again and gave another son. This time my husband will become, become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And so she named him Levi and she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. Four boys in rapid succession. But did you catch that statement she made when giving Levi his name? Maybe now that I've given him three sons, my husband will love me and attach himself to me. We're going to come back to that, but I don't want you to miss the significance of this identity statement that Leah is making as a mother. Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, and she became jealous of her sister. See, in this day, if you didn't have children, you were uh, considered little worth to your husband. 
If women, that was what you were supposed to do in the Old Testament days, in the Bible days, was your worth was in the children that you would produce. I praise God that we do not consider that to be a significant, uh, a sign of worth and significance today. That, that root, that lie still tries to twist in and say, well, you're only worth what your children can do or the children have. You're, you're not. As a man, as a woman, your identity is not bought and not tied up in being a parent, being a mother, being a father. That's part of who you are. But your identity is in the one who gave you those children. And it says there that she saw, she's had no children. She became jealous and said, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger burned against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld the fruit from your womb? So what does she do? Well, take my maid. We've seen this before, right? And that's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. Take my maid. Maybe I can get children through her. So Jacob takes Bilhah. She gives him two sons. And Rachel is rejoicing that there are sons under her that she can say, all right, look, I have worth. This bitterness I have with my sister, I have worth. Well, guess what? Leah doesn't take too kindly to it. <laughs> She's a little jealous. So, verse nine says that Leah took her maid, Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Men, can I, I don't think I really have to say this out loud, but just to make sure. More than one woman is just nuts. All right? But more than that, more than one woman steps outside of what God created and said in the very beginning, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, singular, and the two, one man, one woman, should be joined together as one flesh. How can Jacob be one flesh when there are four women? Whew. Let me get to Solomon. 700 wives? 700 mothers-in-law? Come on. Bilhah gives him a couple of sons. Or Zilpah gives a couple of sons. And then we see this bitterness start to dwell. It says, in the days when the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and he brought them to his mother Leah. And Ra Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah said to her, look at this bitterness and this cattiness. I know this doesn't happen with women today, but look at the bitterness and cattiness here. Is it for a small matter that you take my husband? What? This isn't about Jacob. This is about some fruit, Right? Is it for a small matter that you take my husband, but now you're also going to try to take the fruit of my son, his mandrakes? And Rachel said, therefore, I tell you what, you can have your husband. <laughs> Jacob, you thought you were worth something, didn't you? You can have your husband. He can lie with you tonight if you just give me some of that fruit. Give me some of those mandrakes. Jacob came in from the field and Leah went to him and said, you must come in to me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. You thought your family had problems. Wow. So he lay with her that night. 
And God gave heed to Leah and she, Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. And she named him Issachar. She conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift and my husband will dwell with me because I have given him six sons. She is trying to use her identity as a mother as what gives her value and worth. But that can't. God is giving Jacob children through these women, but he is not giving women identity through their children. And God remembered Rachel, verse 22, and gave heed to her and opened her womb. She conceived and gave a son and said, God has taken away my reproach and named him Joseph and asked, may the Lord give me another son. The family's growing. That's a bunch of boys. That's a... If you've tried to feed more than two or three boys, you know it takes a lot to feed boys. All these boys. He now has 11 boys. He's got to feed them. But God is continuing to prosper him. It says there in verse 25, it became about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I might go to my own place, to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me depart for you yourself. Know my service, which I have rendered to you. He has given them a family, given him these children, but now he has also shown how Jacob has prospered in everything in Haran. So he goes and he goes to his father-in-law and says, I, I, wanna, I wanna separate I want to go back because my time, the 14 years I've been serving you is great. And so I want to take the flocks. And so here, I want to take what's mine. Laban says, okay, well, let's determine what exactly is yours. What do you want of the flocks? And Jacob does the honorable thing. He's kind of learned from this whole deception thing. He does the honorable thing. He says, tell you what, I'll take all the blemished ones. Uh, the, 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 the black goats, the speckled goats, the, the, the speckled sheep, the ones that are, that, are, that are weak, that have injury, I'll take them. Let them be mine. And I'll go through today and I'll pick all of these out. And then tomorrow you can come back through and see that all of the unblemished lambs and goats will still be there. And you know I've done right by you. And if you find, it says there uh, in the passage of scripture, if you find any unblemished lamb or unblemished goat in my flock, consider it to be stolen. Jacob has learned a little bit about the art of deception. But Laban proves to be the master. Laban sends his people to go ahead and separate all the blemished and puts them at a three days journey between him, them and Jacob. So Jacob doesn't have anything to garner from this. So Jacob comes up with a device. It says there, Jacob took fresh rods, verse 37 of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks and the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. And they mated there when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods and the flocks brought forth stripes, speckled and spotted. And J Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the stripe, the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban. Moreover, when the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock of the gutter so that when they mate by the rods, but when the flock was feeble, he did not put them. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. There is a lot of concern about what Jacob's doing here. 
a lot of scholars believe that what's actually taking place is he's presenting kind of like sharp objects. So like it kind of pierces some of the lambs and they bleed out on it to produce a speckle or a spot. Jacob says, you, you want to you wanna play a game with me? Okay. I will blemish all of your lambs, but the stronger ones will actually end up being mine. Everything Jacob has touched in the land of Haran has prospered because God has been with him, because God's providential hand has been on him. So, so what's the point of all this? What, what, where do we take as our main driving point for us? It's ultimately this, that God's providence is always at work in the life of his people. God's providence is always at work. And I want you to hear me clearly here because I did not say prosperity is always at work. I said God's providence. And God's providence comes with hardship and God's providence comes with lean times and God's providence comes with being treated like dirt. But God's providence is always at work to make sure that you are on solid ground before him. Period. Sometimes God's providence does mean strength and health and, 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 and financial gain. Sometimes God's providence means that you lose everything you have for the glory of his name to be able to say, it is well with my soul. We cannot equate the presence of God with the presence of bukus of money. And we put our hope in a false gospel when we say, well, because God is with me, I will have money and I will have wealth and I will have possessions and I will have strong health and I'll have no problem in my life. God loves you too much to give you everything you want. Do you hear me? God loves you too much to give you everything you want. Because ultimately, when you want something, somebody else wants something else. And if he gave you what you wanted, that would by necessity mean that somebody else couldn't have what they wanted. See, God don't work that way. God's not this all-powerful genie that you rub the lamp and you get your three wishes or your unlimited supply of wishes and you just say it and there it is. No, God's providence works in the background of our life to bring to the foreground of our life what his ultimate purpose and plan is and to showing us his glory, his majesty, who he is because he is our God and King. Period. He loves us too much to give us everything we want. You ever tell your kid no? You didn't. You ever tell your kid no? I've been to Walmart. I've seen kids that have not been told no before. I've coached little league sports. I, I coached Braden's soccer team one time, a couple times when we were still in Anderson. The first, the first season I coached, there was, a, there, was another, there was a man in our church that coached his kids' soccer teams. His kids were a little bit older. And um, he said to me, going in, he found out I was coaching. He said, I'm going to tell you this before you get there. I'm going to just tell you up front. You're going to know after the second practice which kids have had a spanking and which ones hadn't. And he was right. Because you love your kids, you don't give them every single thing they ask for because you know there was something better even if they don't understand it. You know that no is the right answer a lot of the time. You know that wait is the right answer a lot of the time. And by wisdom, you know when yes is the, the acceptable answer. 
God's providence works in the life of our people. And here's Jacob. He's being sent out from his family. He knows you can't marry these girls, but you got to go here. He now knows that God said, I'm not going to leave you until I am done fulfilling what I have promised I would fulfill through you. And here he is. And he, man, he takes a shot, man. He takes a big risk. He kisses the girl. He t- lays all his cards on the table for his, fa- his soon-to-be father-in-law to see. And all he has now is their mercy to say, yeah, we'll take that deal. And even when he finds that the deal was, was deceitful and that he was given, he still knew that God said, I'm not going to leave you. Then when the deal goes bad, God's hand is still in the mix because God didn't make the deal. God is carrying you through the deal. God's providence is always at work in the lives of his people. But let's don't make the mistake of thinking that providence looks over unresolved sin because providence does not overlook unresolved sin. The fact that God is being merciful to you today does not mean that you are sinless and carefree. See, Jacob had just deceived his father in a really gross way. Physically gross by putting on dead animal skins, but also just sociologically gross by saying, you know what, you can't see daddy. You're not going to know the difference anyway. I'm going to make this stew. I'm going to lie about God's provision and I'm going to pretend to be my brother even though you can hear it's not his voice. You're going to smell him because I'm wearing his clothes. You're going to feel him because I'm wearing animal skin and you're going to think dad that I am my brother, but I'm not. And at no point in the passage of scripture do we see Jacob feeling remorse for that? Or do we see Jacob going back and say, Dad, you know, I lied to you. I'm sorry. No, what we see is Jacob fleeing because he knows Esau is going to kill him. But now God's prospering his way. It says here in the passage of Scripture that he got to the well. He met the pretty girl. He kissed her and was accepted. He marries her. Had to marry the first sister first, but he marries her. That everything is going right for him. But that doesn't mean that his sin had not been dealt with. Because right in the middle of God's provision, he comes face to face with the gruesomeness of deceit. The gruesomeness of a deceiving heart. The gruesomeness of unresolved sin. Man, I hear it all the time. Uh, Man, you must be living right. God's really blessing you. You must be living right. I hear it all the time. Too often, we fail to acknowledge the sin in our life because we thought, you know what? Everything in life is okay. And, And pastors are just as guilty. Man, how many, how many times have you been shocked? How many times do we have to be shocked? By the uber successful pastor, man, he's leading hundreds of people to Christ every year. His church is growing by the droves to find out that he's been engorged in adultery or pornography or cheating on taxes. There is some systematic sin that God's providence does not say, you know what, because my hand's on you, your sin doesn't matter. What takes away the sin is the presence of Christ. And when we're in the presence of Christ, not only do we turn away from our sin, but he has already dealt with our sin according to his richness and mercy. And God's providence then says, I have provided your your substitute in Christ Jesus. But your sin wasn't overlooked. It was forgiven at Calvary. It was forgiven when his blood was poured out. But then you've got this thing with Leah and Rachel. 
says in chapter 30, verse one, that when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. See, see, Leah's trying to bind her identity and well, maybe if I can give him one more son, he'll love me. Maybe one more son, he'll love me. Maybe one more son, he'll love me. Maybe one more son, he'll love me. But Rachel's jealous. She's becoming bitter. So she gives this other woman as if another woman's gonna fix your problems. All the way to the fruit of the mandrakes. It's kind of like saying, hey, can I have some of those potato chips that you brought with your lunch? Oh, you want potato, you took my husband, now you want potato chips? Tell you what, give me my husband back, he has potato chips. There's this bitterness between these sisters. Now, I don't know anything about their their growing up. I don't know if Rachel always got the attention from the boys because she was the pretty, I don't know. But here's what I do know, is that bitterness and envy are symptomatic of a weak faith in God's providence. Bitterness and envy are symptomatic of a weak faith in God's providence. And you're like, well, and what do you mean by that? When we seek to establish our identity anywhere outside of the hand of God in our life, we are setting ourselves up for failure. We are establishing an idol. And what happens is bitterness comes in. Remember what he says in the book of James? He says, why are there quarrels and strife and, and, and all this between you? It's because you can't have what you want and what you, do, what you don't have. You go and you steal and you fight for it. That's what bitterness and envy does in our hearts. It attaches us to something that's not been given to us. And so we say, you know what? God's provision, God's providence isn't enough. I'm going to attach myself here. And bitterness and envy are symptoms of that. You know what, what God says about me is not enough. So I'm going to try to keep up with the Joneses or I'm going to try to keep up with what the next big thing is. I've got to make sure my kids have this, this, and this so that they're not left out of this activity at school. And we want our kids to be included. But what we want our kids most is to see who they are before God Almighty. Period. My biggest struggles growing up were not because my mom and dad didn't love me. My biggest struggles weren't growing up weren't because mom and dad didn't put a, house, a roof over my head. I didn't have a Game Boy and I didn't have TV. I had those things. My biggest struggles were I didn't care enough about what God said about me because it was not instilled in me. So I tried to attach my identity somewhere else because I didn't have enough faith in the providence of God in my life. Maybe you can filter back through 10 years, 30 years, 60 years and ask yourself the question of, okay, why why have I struggled there? And it could be as simple as saying, did I trust and have a strong faith in the providence of God and what God was doing? And God's providence works a lot of times in the background so that we can understand what's going on in the foreground. It's working behind the scenes so that when we're on the scene, we know what he has said about us and about himself. Because ultimately, what we find in this passage of scripture is there's one name that rises above the rest. Look with me, if you will, in verse uh, 35 of chapter uh, 29. It says, and she conceived, Leah conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah, the fourth son. For all this talk about what the firstborn should get, 
the, the, the firstborn Ishmael was overlooked. The firstborn Esau was cheated out of his birthright. The firstborn Leah was put to the back burner as the not pretty enough daughter. Now we've got the fourthborn Judah. And from Judah, the tribe of Judah, we have the lion. And Judah's lion will take care of all of your fears. It is from the tribe of Judah that we get a man named Jesse who has a son named David who has a son named Solomon. These were not the kings to sit on the throne forever, but one to come from the line of David would. His name was Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, it says this about this, this lion of Judah. It says that stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. Judah's lion erases your fear. You think you're not enough? Judah's lion roars. You think you'll never accomplish? Judah's lion roars. You think what other people think of you is the, is the most important thing? Put that in front of the lion of the tribe of Judah. This lion that went to a cross To shed his blood, to rise again, to stand in victory, to call your name out of the darkness, to take away your fear, your fear of man, your, your, your fear of this world, whatever it is that keeps you up at night, put it in front of the Lion of Judah. Because Judah's lion erases your fear. That was God's plan. That was God's plan. If there was no Leah, there was no Judah. If there was no, if there was no Jacob, there was no Judah. And if there was no Judah, then there was no Savior. Because God traces his line of redemption through the cross of Jesus. Jesus.